This is Journey with Care. We're concluding our series, The Flavors of Care. This series has been a captivating exploration of the diverse personalities, flavors, and impact of each Enneagram type. As we come together for this culmination, we'll build on what we learned and explore how this journey can continually enrich our understanding of ourselves and our neighbors. We explore the different worlds filled with unique individuals from the enthusiast to the loyalist, the investigator, the creative, the achiever, the helper, the improver, the harmonizer, and the challenger, each embodying a distinct essence of care and compassion. We've uncovered a wealth of insights into the human nature of each individual. Throughout this series, we've delved into the magic that each Enneagram type weaves into our lives and the communities that they are part of. These interviews have helped illuminate the paths of vulnerability, empathy, growth, and the power of connection. If you've missed any of these insightful episodes, you can still catch them at journeywithcare.ca slash Enneagram. Today, we are joined by our original guest expert, Tamara Croker, who will help us synthesize the wisdom we've gained throughout this journey. With our host, Wendy, she'll discuss how we can apply these lessons in our lives, fostering continuous personal growth, curiosity, and fostering deeper connections with those around us. So join us on this enlightening conversation as we celebrate the beautiful tapestry of care and compassion woven by these Enneagram types. Let's look ahead to the path before us, committed to growth and connection. And let's get curious and let's start the conversation. Welcome to our wrap-up episode, Flavors of Care. With us in studio, we have back Tamara. Welcome back to the podcast. It's so good to have you back. Wow, what a series we've been having over the summer. I am full of ice cream. I don't know about you. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So many different flavors that we've been able to enjoy. And for our listeners who have listened to the intro to this series, you will remember Tamara in our very first episode of Flavors with Care. And it's so good to have you back. I'm Very excited to be back. Well, when we had our intro, you were just launching your new business, Enneagram Aware, and you had this summer to get going. How are things going there? Thank you for that question. They are going fantastic. I've done some coaching sessions. I've really got my feet wet with how to talk to different Enneagram types about things that are going on in their mind, body, and heart. Mm. And it's been... It's been such a beautiful learning experience for me because we're so programmed to look at things from our perspective. And when you get to actually sit one-on-one and talk about the Enneagram with somebody, it's just amazing. Yeah. And this is a totally new journey that you're on because this is the beginning of a typical school year. You are a teacher by profession, your first year, not going back into the school system. And it takes guts to be that entrepreneur. How do you feel about that piece of you? It's very mixed. Um, I was reflecting on it just yesterday that I I guess it's been since I was five. Mm. Every September long weekend means I go back to school now. Wow. So it's actually, it's a huge mindset shift for me. I mean, I I think I'm embracing it and I'm embracing like, the weirdness. I'm embracing the sadness, missing my colleagues and my students and enjoying the fact that I'm free and I get to pick and choose my schedule and I get to uh, work with a system that I just love. 
Yeah. I could talk Enneagram for days and days and years and hopefully will for years and years and years and years. Well, and that's just beautiful. And it takes courage, though, right? Because this is something you're good at. You could easily go back into teaching. And and I'm sure all of that will pay off very well with Enneagram Aware and your coaching and one-on-one sessions. However, to take that break to actually do it, I admire that courage. I know it's not easy. I've been there uh, to start Care Impact. So from one entrepreneur to the other, way to go. Thank you. And this journey is just about to begin. And and there's some exciting things around the corner. You just never know. And and that fear never goes away, I don't think. I totally agree. And honestly, I credit the Enneagram to get me here because it was this ability to actually start listening to my body and the place where I get my answers, where my body said, it's time to quit. So I did. And it I think it's that sureness of me and what I know I'm capable of that I've learned through the Enneagram that got me here and I know will carry me forward. And I know we're going to dive in a bit more and recap some of these uh, conversations we've had with all the different flavors. And there's so many other nuances that weren't represented in this, this series here. And I have a sneaking suspicion that many people that are listening right now actually have certain things within them, certain dreams that are not yet realized, that they don't necessarily have the courage to do, or they've been sitting on it for a while. Yes. And it, it's time to, to birth those dreams. And it's not to say everybody should quit their jobs <laughs> and, and go start something crazy like you and Call I have been doing. if you do. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some should. Right. Um, but there's, there's certain things. Maybe picking up a new hobby. Maybe it's doing something that they have always dreamt about or that they're built for, but they don't necessarily have the courage to do that. What kind of advice would you give to other people that are sitting on that fence? They have that thing, but it's a crazy audacious thing. Yes. I have been trying to pick up the phrase, just try it. So instead of just do it, because that sometimes feels like there's an accomplishment happening, I would like to say, just try it. Just be curious. Just get out there and try it. And in our studio, in our Shasta, I have this big wooden thing here that says, why not? Exactly. Why, why not? not try? What's the yes. worst that could happen? You could fail, but we could fail forward. I actually don't think failure is is failure. It, failure to try is failure. <laughs> I agree. And I actually have been thinking so much about this idea of change. And I've on my website, you can see a picture of the circle of change. Enneagramaware.ca. Thank you very much. And There's a comfort zone, which we're all, I think, pretty aware of. And then right outside is fear. Mm -hmm. And outside of that is the learning. And outside of that is the growing. So there is always a little bit of you that is going to feel a little bit afraid. You're going to start thinking, what are other people going to say? And you're going to start feeling like maybe you should back off and go into your comfort zone. But it likely means you're headed somewhere better and better for you as far as expanding what you know and expanding how you move through the world. And speaking of which, I've heard said on this uh, whole series, we've had some listeners give us some good feedback. Binge listening on their road <laughs> trips or at the campsite. The best way to do it. While they're doing the, the lawn. Uh, so many different people have commented how this series and listening to people's stories have brought people to that edge, that looking over the edge of, because sometimes, let's face it, doing introspective work, understanding ourselves, even the big bad Enneagram, (laughs) as sometimes people fear looking into themselves because we just don't know, right? It takes courage 
to go deep within ourselves, to go into do the contemplative work. And really, it's a call to contemplation. It's just a tool. Yeah. Um, and as you will know, and we've highlighted throughout the series, this isn't the Enneagram expert series. This is just to get us curious about understanding ourselves, celebrating our differences, and understanding how people are motivated. Yeah. And that takes courage to do our own work. Yes. What are some observations? Like you've listened through the series since we did our intro and we had some guesses about ice cream. And I tell you, <laughs> there's so many that we got right. I totally agree. Even the it's mango like we're mind ice cream. readers, right? Oh, I know. it was so fun. If I can just intro for one second about the term courage, I think people misunderstand courage mm. and sixes their holy idea or the thing that they're working towards is courage. And courage doesn't mean the scary stuff doesn't happen. And courage doesn't mean fear doesn't happen. Courage is saying, look at that. That's scary. And you make a choice to move forward anyways. Ooh, yes. So let's all have courage. So I saw courage in each of the people that I was able to, uh, what a privilege it was to interview so many different people. Mm -hmm. You know what, one thing that I observed as I interviewed them all, I gave them all a bit of a show notes. We don't go crazy and I don't, we don't script things. So if mm -hmm. people are wondering if we've practiced this, <laughs> no, what you hear is what you get. It's over a cup of coffee. It's the real deal. But I gave everybody sort of a, a kind of a flow of order of what we would be covering, some similar questions. Hmm. Each of the people that I interviewed representing different types of flavors, and there's nuances even within those different types of flavors and Enneagram numbers, how different they interviewed. Yes. yes. I was blown away. Yeah. And it was a beautiful experience. I think what I learned listening to it is the reminder again that you are are only living life from your perspective. Mm -hmm. And we need your perspective and your perspective is valuable, but don't assume you understand and know another's perspective. I've done a lot of studying on the Enneagram and I can only tell you based on what I've learned, mm -hmm. what those numbers are thinking and feeling. And we can make good guesses and we can kind of figure that out from our perspective, but there is nothing like hearing from that number's mouth, mm -hmm. this is how it feels to live in my body. Yeah, and it, it challenged me to be a good question asker, not just in a studio, but when I'm sitting and having coffee with a friend, mm -hmm. when I'm interacting with people in the church foyer, when I'm at a grocery store or, you know, all these different places, if we could be rather curious, not in an odd, like, in interrogative way, yes, but in a way of like leaning in and tell me more. Yeah, what's your perspective? Tell me like about your childhood. Those things give gifts to me of understanding how I can befriend them, how I can do community better in a more authentic, integrative way that I can actually interact with them at a more holistic level. Well, and I think what the Enneagrams really taught me is that. The words that are coming out of people's mouths give us a certain amount of information, but there are often little nuggets of information hidden behind them mm -hmm. in the way they're saying it, in the themes that kind of come up in mm -hmm. how they're speaking about certain things. And I think we're very programmed to take information in and interact with it and send it back. And that really is like, I guess I'm thinking a lot about the nine interview that you did where the idea of real listening. I mean, real listening is 
a lot more than just the words that are coming out, thinking about them, and then deciding how to respond. No, no. It's, I mean, even if you look at the hierarchy of like needs and um, multiple intelligences and all those things, I mean, there's deeper levels to all those things. And when you really get into it and you're really listening, there's so much coming at you and there's so much that you can learn about a person. And one of the things that I observed as I was interviewing so many different types of people is that each number, depending on what question, if we really went deep and just saying, tell me more. Yeah. And I want to understand. <laughs> yes. yes. There, there gets a point where, and unfortunately, listeners can't always hear it. Some of it came through the emotions, mm-hmm. but there is a, a piece of soul talk that little sprout in the eye yes. of a little trickle of a tear you get them at the soul level and it didn't matter. It wasn't just the feelings people. Yeah. There was a lot of people that said, I've done podcasts before. Mm-hmm. Some of them, some of them even said, I've done lots of podcasts, but I was most nervous about this one because it went deep and it was about me. It usually yes. it's about a cognitive idea Something or what I'm, good I'm known already. for. Yes, I'm, I'm totally. good at this. I can talk about this, but to talk about my childhood and what makes me feel cared for there's a, a piece of that nurturing soul that we all long for. I totally agree. At one of the workshops that I attended, they made us do this exercise where you had to ask the same question three times in a row. So it was, what are you hoping for in 2023? And then we had to answer. And then they asked the same question again. And by that third time, something opens up in you and you go, okay, well, I said the things I planned on saying, and then I expanded on the things I was planning on saying. Now I got nothing. What else is in there? And what have I kind of been rehearsing to avoid? It's interesting when you really start digging into some of those things, there's so many layers, so many layers. And I think that applies to some of this personality tools, assessment stuff that we've been talking about. I'm an eight. Yes. I'm an eight. (laughs) Oh, yes. There's this shadow side or this longing side. There's something deeper within. And I think there's a message here, whether you are into the Enneagram or not, that's beside the point. But when you're at a church foyer, hi, how are you? Yeah. How are you? How are you? Yes. Are we getting to that third level? And that's the whole point. The the assessment and the Enneagram, whatever tool that you want to use to help bring language to who you are is simply a tool. But are we going to those deeper layers? Because it's safer at question number one. Exactly. And honestly, sometimes I don't have the energy to go to number three with you. Which is fine, right? right? Like understanding those balances and understanding what you're available for mentally, spiritually, emotionally in that day. But tell me what would happen, what does happen, should I say, when we only go to that surface level? And I think that is the relational poverty that we're experiencing in Canada. That is the relational poverty we're experiencing in the church, in in our workplace. Yes. That we all long for intimacy, but it takes courage because we have to be vulnerable. We have to go past that. We have fear about being, I have fear. Like, Hello, I'm eight. I'm a challenger. I don't I don't want to be vulnerable. Right. But for me, it's taken a lot of deep inner work and it will continue to be a challenge for me to keep going deep with myself, not just with others, because then I just pathologize others and I help others. 
and it's a shielding for myself. Right. They need me too. Right. Exactly. We need everybody as their full self to be part of the community. The thing that I've been thinking a lot about is this concept of autopilot. And I think that really explains a lot of that. I'm going to ask the first question. We've kind of trained ourselves how to navigate certain social situations. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Like we have that very surface level. And honestly, I could tell you right now, that's autopilot for me. I know what I'm supposed to do when I go into those certain situations and you're getting the autopilot version of me. Mm -hmm. So I think what I've started looking at is how to turn that autopilot off. And that's what the Enneagram has helped me with is to go, where are those spaces where I'm just driving my car and I have no, it's highway hypnosis. I have no idea how I got here. And I don't want to be like that. That isn't living fully for me. That isn't going to show me the depth of me. That's not going to show me the depth of anybody else around me. I need autopilot for certain things. We can't decide every single thing that we're doing in every moment of every day. We need that help to just have human instinct to just do certain things. But I want to see it. That's what I want. I want to see when I'm that way. And I want to see when I am behaving and responding authentically and honestly to what's in front of me. And it gives you agency to do something about it and to go deeper and to even find health in those places that otherwise you'd you'd drag to the casket those challenges. Yes. And they get worse, man. I mean, I'm not 40 yet, but I already see my autopilot stuff acting up and I already see myself responding in those catchphrases. We, We all have those little catchphrases that we use Those don't get better if you don't look at them. Well, as a mature (laughs) 45-year-old, let me tell you, (laughs) they don't. (laughs) We've got our our more mature ones listening and they're thinking, oh, you children, right? But it's so true, right? Like you just, if you're not going to do anything, you're just, it's just going to keep on rolling and they're going to get more and more concrete into you. And I don't want to be that person that goes autopilot to the casket. No, I would rather make failures and try and and ask for forgiveness along the way. And so that people that get to know me, mm-hmm. that take time to get to know me, will get the real me. Yes. And it's not all pretty. That, that's the vulnerable side of it. Because none of us are all put together. That perfection is not something we can attain. Well, and that was the thing I thought about the most looking through all these or listening through all these interviews is each person was, you know, the six was talking about how they seem like a downer. Why does it seem like a downer to point out things that might go wrong? Why have we labeled that as a negative thing or the enthusiast always looking for the happy? Why we labeled that as, no, you shouldn't always be positive all the time. You have to look at the balance. We've We've really taken it upon ourselves to label and put into boxes as they often are, you know, everyone's afraid of being put into, especially Enneagram ways. That's often their pushback. I don't do that. I don't want to label people and put everybody in a box. It actually liberates that if you get to know. (laughs) It's Yes. Yeah. So I think it's, it's interesting how we've labeled right and wrong. And that's a bad version of me. And that's a good version of me. All we're trying to say is, we want all of you. Yeah. And until you start doing a little bit of work to get behind the first time we ask the question, how are you? We're really only scratching the surface of you as a person. And we're likely getting the socialized version 
of what you feel is acceptable in the space that you are answering that question. Part of the dilemma, though, and what gets us to those hang-ups is because we are in such an individualistic society that we don't want to be just that person because we are taught, we are conditioned in Canada Mm -hmm. to be individualistic. And that is prized, it's esteemed, it's rewarded in the church, it's rewarded in society, it's rewarded in our families to launch and and be free and not need each other. And like the empty nest is the the gold standard. Right. We'll never get there, (laughs) just saying. But that individualism runs so strong. So then if I am only an eight in all my nuances, mind you, but if that's who I am, I'm defining myself, I'm also saying I have limitations and I'm not everything Yes, to all mankind. I can't be all of those things. I have parts of me of everything, but I, this is who I am. But I, I can't live on my own. We are not created not for, for individuals. No. We're created for community. Yes. Yes. So when you look at it from a community mindset, collective mindset, yeah. that's when embracing our differences actually matters and can be celebrated. As individuals, it feels like a deficit or a pigeonhole. Yes, that's such a good point. Like it it really takes hearing another's perspective and another's point of view and getting to their third time asking the same question. That's right. To actually understand the pieces that you might be missing or the pieces that maybe you're feeling insecure about. You don't need to feel insecure about your piece because they may have it. And actually, you can celebrate, I need that. Yes. Instead of seeing it as a deficit. Oh, you're so good at that, but I don't have that. It's just like, you're so good at that, and I'm so grateful you're in my community. I'm so grateful you're part of my family. I'm so grateful you're part of my church because we need each other. So we can we actually more celebrate that. More celebrating. Yeah. Yes. Let's, yeah. Let's go seven. <laughs> <laughs> the enthusiasts. We, we need that. Yes. So if we could all be more of ourselves and feel liberated in community— well, and I think it's it's a matter of, again, taking those labels off. Like, yeah. um, I think that there are very specific things that we're allowed to celebrate in the church and in, I mean, you can talk about marriages and births and new jobs and all of those things, but you can also talk about very specific ways that all those things look and the way that people show up in those spaces. And celebration needs to happen way more often, Yeah, way more often about things that were a challenge or were a little bit different than we expected them to go and embracing it. For example, celebrating entrepreneurship. Yay! Celebrating trying things new. Yes. Celebrating doing things different because what worked to get us here isn't going to get us where we need to go or what the dilemma today is. And honestly, that is a huge dilemma. I've talked to so many. I'm doing interviews with pastors right now for another qualitative research project, not going on the podcast, but I've been researching with pastors and and learning how churches learn and stuff. And there is a dilemma within the church to need to do things different. But that apostolic, that prophetic and evangelist, we call them the apes are on the outside. (laughs) And the the, the pastors and teachers who shepherd the flocks and who, who nurture and everything, those are being hired and maintained but that apostolic vision of doing things new isn't being celebrated. Right. But I do know from interviewing even just this series over the summer is there's a lot of hopes and dreams. Sitting in those pews and I'm like, imagine 
if they went with those things in community, not individuals trying yep. to make their their stance and make their soapbox, yep. but in community, what if we shared at that deeper why, that third level? Imagine if we collected our differences and our gifts and abilities and then look and say, wow. Yep. I'm left hopeful. Yes. And I'm left hopeful when people are responding to our podcast and saying, huh, I love that <laughs> one. And then I say, why did you like that one so much? <laughs> and it's just like there's something that resonated within their soul, giving them language to go that deeper third level. And I think it's so interesting going back to those interviews. I've been really thinking a lot about what makes us uncomfortable or what resonates with us? Is it because there's a piece of us that we haven't acknowledged, either good or bad, saying like, oh, I would never, whatever. I mean, is that bad? Or is that just you're a little bit afraid of that? Or that's a deep desire that you haven't really acknowledged? I mean, I think the beauty of the Enneagram is it's the full spectrum of human experience. So I may secretly want to be up on stage Mm -hmm. and in the spotlight, but I'm a nine, so I'm going to tell myself over and over again, no, 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 no. You don't need to do do that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. But in that inability to acknowledge what I really desire, I look down on other things, right? And when I can start to see the beauty of all those things working together and all those pieces coming together, then I don't have to be scared of me wanting it. I don't have to be scared of that person wanting it. I don't, I mean, I just don't, need to worry. There is enough to go around. There is a place for every person. Nobody is left out of this system. You know what it allows us to do as we get to know each other and ourselves? It allows us to see what courage looks like yes. for that nine. It, An will, example. it allows us to yes. see what courage looks like as a two yes. to even step out of what we pigeonhole them to be. And it, it, we can celebrate that courage, which we might take for granted. Of course, I'll go on a stage. Yeah. However, it takes courage for a nine to say what she said and say, well, thank you so much for speaking up. Totally. Well, it's an inspiration. Watching someone grow never makes anybody else feel bad. It is like an opportunity to embrace growth. Oh, everybody gets an endorphin hit on that one. (laughs) (laughs) At least I do. I love seeing people thrive and be their authentic selves. And if you're not feeling that way, Look at that too, because yeah. right, like, what is that? That what is that that's making you feel? Maybe it's the jealousy of a four of saying everybody else is making it, and it's it, got to be something in you, right? That's feeling like, hmm, maybe I secretly wanted that, or maybe I I look down on that, or maybe I like what a perfect opportunity to look at it. Like all this is is get curious. It doesn't have to be labeled the same way we always have. So I'm wondering, uh, you you mentioned earlier about those three questions, like not the magical three, but asking the same question multiple times uh, in these things. And I think that's the deeper work that we can ask ourselves. So for those of us who have been following along the series, and and I I know even some are saying, I'm going to listen to it again because I haven't been aware of these things. Now I want to listen to it again and and dig a little bit deeper. Um, It's about asking those deeper questions and unlocking some of that those inner things that we have never contemplated. Yes. And, And I think for me, in my own personal journey, I'm really good at accomplishing tasks, Mm -hmm. really good at just doing what I'm supposed to do. But the work for me has been sitting, letting those tasks wash over me, still sitting, waiting a little bit longer, and then seeing what's happening inside my body. So there is a way to ask those three questions even to yourself and to sit 
quietly and see what your internal world is actually saying to you. I think there is way more going on inside of us than we are prepared to sit with. And when you finally get into that space, do it with a journal, do it with whatever you want to do it with, with your Bible, with your uh, meditation, with prayer, however you want to get there, sit there, ask those questions a few times and see what comes up. One of the things that I observed while doing the interviews, I was particularly intrigued with the areas that I don't find natural. And I found it most challenging, actually, to interview those that I don't find most natural to go to. That's in the feeling sector. Yes. So feelings, I I wasn't uncomfortable talking about other people's feelings or going there. I think I've done enough deeper work in that. But what I found is that I had an intrigue of what makes them tick, especially like how do feelings mix with your faith and your church experience and how do feelings integrate in a healthy way? Because I've often been told that feelings kind of follow your faith and whatever. And as I've been interviewing and as I've been doing some more reflective work for myself, it doesn't mean just because I operate out of my gut uh, as a challenger, I'm typically right on my gut. Yeah. However, it doesn't mean that I I'm not a feelings person, therefore I'm not going to go there. It actually means I actually have more curiosity there. I should have more curiosity there to learn from them, not to be the two or the three or the the one, but it's to, to go in those places that I don't naturally tend to tiptoe in and ask those deeper questions. And that's the beauty. We all have the, the other people around us who are different from us to be curious about that and say, you know, I, and I'll tell you an example. I've been landscaping our yard. <laughs> it looks all. fantastic, Thank by you. the way. I, I'm not a green thumb <laughs> at all. We'll hope and pray that the grass sprouts, but it's been a fun project. I've been listening to a lot of books and podcasts yeah. over the time in my days off. But as I've been working on it, I've been reflecting on some of the feelings part of the wheel. And I'm thinking, huh, my back is sore. Ooh. Ooh. I'm feeling short. Ah. Ah, I'm feeling inspired. Look wow. at that. And and that actually enriched me yes. because you know what? I also now started to look at my dashboard of saying, how do I feel? Oh, I could treat myself like a human and drink water. I tell you, apes don't naturally drink water <laughs> or take care of themselves. I would like be taken off on a stretcher if I had to because I'm going to get this done, you know? But it enriched me. And that's not my natural self, but it it enriched me. Totally. Well, I think that maybe is the misconception is whatever you lead with is just what you lead with. They're all there. So what I've recognized is someone in me, a younger Tamara inside of me is feeling. She turned that off at some point. Yeah. So she struggled to feel or she didn't feel like that was welcome. And so she turned that off. That part of me is still in there. And that part of me is probably hurting a little bit, like wanting, right? Like wanting to share those pieces of me, not knowing how, feeling like I'll get in trouble if I do, like some of those pieces that I need to have a little bit of compassion for because they feel foreign for a reason. Yeah. They're not bad. Yeah. They're uncomfortable for a reason. So I need to look at some of those pieces. And I love what you said about using our pals two, three, and four to see how they embrace feelings because that is their lens. That is what they lead They're with. good at it. Totally. They're natural. Totally. So we can learn from each other. The other observation that I had in the interviews, and I think it came through most of the recordings, 
is that how many of the different personality types and the people that I interviewed said, I can walk into a room and I can read the room. And I, I smiled inside because they weren't wrong. They weren't contradictory. But then when I probed further, they saw different things. They read different things. And I'm like, boy, we're sitting with 100%, like 10 out of 10. If there's 10 <laughs> people in the room, they're all reading the room. Yeah. yeah. And they're all pretty much right. Yes. Well, they're right by their perspective. What's by right? By their perspective. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's true. Yes. And so they're all reading the room. Yep. And yet it's not a shared experience because we're living individualistic. And so they think they've got the corner on the read, yeah. either in the feelings or the gut or I the head. I know I do. <laughs> well, that makes two of us in the room, right? No, but everybody's reading the room. But they're reading it from a different perspective. And if we could tap into those deeper levels, boy, would we have a good understanding and we could map out problems a lot yes. easier. Well, tap into it and allow it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like so many of us are intolerant to different reads of the room. Yeah. We're the right way. They're not the right way. Or, you know, undervaluing or putting different labels on it that don't fit. Their way of reading the room is their way of reading the room. And it's beautiful and it adds and it it's complicated. is complicated. Totally. Totally. It's beautiful. Well, we could keep talking and there's so much that we could unpack here. I'm sure we're going to have to have you back. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Enneagram Aware already. I hope our listeners are following EnneagramAware.ca. There is a newsletter that you, they can follow, right? Yes, there is. So be sure to sign up for, for your newsletter. But as we wrap up, uh, what are some takeaways, maybe next steps or things that people could do as they're listening, wanting to process, internalize this, what are some some steps in that direction? Yes. I think probably the biggest step you can take is to really narrow in on your number. Yes, you're all the numbers. Yes, you go different places in stress and health and all those things. There are wings to consider. There are, you know, socialization pieces to consider. But the information available to grow and expand your worldview starts with really knowing your first motivation, your core mm. motivation. And so I know we've, uh, as I listened to all those interviews, there were people that waffled between two types and then there was something that really locked them into their type. They went so, to that deeper level, yeah. right? On surface, they might say, hey, I look like a two. Yeah, exactly. But then they go deeper and yeah. they realize. Yeah. So I would suggest to really examine the nine types. So there's lots of information available for that. My website has the start of some of that information. Mm -hmm. There's so many good books that I believe we included in the first show notes. Yeah, and we can we, do it again. Um, so really narrowing in on that type and then realizing that there are mistypes out there, that mm -hmm. there are, you know, ones sometimes look like threes in this specific scenario. Sixes sometimes look like nines in this specific scenario. And there's information on that too. Then the other piece of the puzzle that was really helpful for me and really helpful for people that I know is that subtype level of learning. So within each number, there are three subtypes and each of them has the same motivation and has the same things that they're wrestling with inside themselves, but they look a little bit different. And so when you start looking at those subtype motivations and they're oriented around the, your instinct, so they, you've got your self-preservation instinct, your social instinct, or your sexual or one-to-one -one instinct. Mm -hmm. Again, we have them all, but they mix with your number in a really interesting yeah. way. 
And so when you can start looking at that level of information and that level of Enneagram experience, it just blows your world apart. Yeah. There is so much to learn and it's just written there. You can just look at it and go, oh yeah, that's me. What's my next step forward? So there's lots to learn. And what that also allows you to do is grow deeper on how can I grow in this, in health? Yes. And what are the things that, oh yeah, hello, a shadow side. How can I work towards health so that for the betterment of community yeah. and what I can contribute Absolutely. to the community? Well, this is all going to ripple out to literally any person you are in contact with moving forward. I even notice that when I'm meeting people just randomly in the grocery store, I approach that differently now that I know different things about me. I would agree too. And as I've been becoming more Enneagram aware, pardon the pun, it's your, I'm going to be free advertisement. I should just wear, wear the brand on Perfect. my shirt. But it also gives me more of a lens of compassion and curiosity yes. in community rather than like, you know, those, that judgment call that you, you're not trying to be judgmental, but you just do it like out of your subconscious. Right. Yes. And so it, it gives me more curiosity. I flip into curiosity more than just like, I can't believe they just said that. Yep. It's more like, interesting. I wonder what's in that yes. rich inner world. Yes. But I think that has to start with you. Oh, absolutely. The more we judge ourselves for the things that are going on internally, the more, we'll the more we're throwing that out there. So when we can be curious about ourselves and curious why, oh, I wonder why I responded that way. <laughs> I wonder why I've had heart palpitations. <laughs> then we can start having that compassion outward. Is that oxygen, put on your own oxygen mask, please, please, please. Well, Tamara, it has been a delight to have you throughout this series. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope people are going to be following Enneagram Aware and being blessed by all the things that you have to offer to enrich this community. My biggest wish would be that those that are listening to this would do that deep inner work, get curious, get curious about others in your community. And it again, it's not for your own enrichment. It's to bless the community, to love yes. God with your whole authentic self yes. and to love your neighbor as yourself. So exactly. go love yourself in all that God has created you. Thank you so much for coming on Thank the podcast. Thank you. Yay. Go self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for embarking on this enlightening journey with us throughout our Enneagram series, The Flavors of Care. We hope you found value in this series and that it's been a source of personal growth and self-discovery for you. Just like different flavors of ice cream, each Enneagram type has brought its own richness and depth to our discussions. As we conclude this series, we encourage you to share the wisdom you've gained with a friend, as podcasts are even more enjoyable when shared with others. And remember, you can always visit our website, journeywithcare.ca, to stay informed about upcoming podcast meetups and other exciting content. Once again, we extend our heartfelt gratitude for listening and joining us on this journey. Let's carry the spirit of curiosity forward continuously exploring the magic of care in our lives and communities. Thank you and bring your curiosity as you tune in next week. <laughs>